It's about 150 per dome after that. So all in, it's like, you know, a million dollars of uh, not including the property, a million dollars to get kind of all the domes and the infrastructure up and going for where we're at right now. Um, That said, you know, obviously we're fairly young. We're in our 30s and late 20s and early 30s. So, you know, we didn't have a million dollars. We put all of our life savings there and then we're able to approach some family members and say, hey, this is, you know, again, trying to convince them of trust me, this dome thing will work Um, and, uh, and get some loans that you know, that way, and then, you know, have been able to pay them back um, because of the success of Back 40, which is great. Welcome to Behind the Stays, a podcast that shares the stories behind your favorite Airbnbs, boutique hotels, and hospitality brands, and the hosts, operators, and entrepreneurs who have brought them to life. Every Tuesday and Friday, you'll meet the military veterans, the retired flight attendants, tech entrepreneurs, the school teachers, the single moms, and the real estate investors who are all, in their own unique ways, shaping the future of travel and hospitality. Discover how these visionaries from all over the world have built chic cabins in the mountains, designed bohemian bungalows on the beach, erected eclectic off-grid and nature-immersed escapes, and so much more. Behind the Stays is brought to you by Spontaneous, the internet's best destination for last-minute Airbnb deals. You can subscribe for free at Spontaneous.com. And I'm your host, Zach Buzicruz, co-founder and CEO of Spontaneous. All right, friends, enjoy the show. In just a moment, you'll meet Scott McIntosh, co-founder of Back 40 Glamping, a luxurious glamping oasis on 26 acres of land in Meaford, Ontario. Growing up, Scott wanted to be a farmer. He loved being outdoors, and the notion that you could make a life from tilling fields and harvesting crops was absolutely incredibly attractive to him. And while Scott wound up pursuing a career as an educator instead, a few years ago, he and his brother Ben had an idea which would enable Scott to trade the classroom for the great outdoors. And that idea, well, it was to build a glamping resort featuring luxury domes just two hours outside of Toronto, Canada. Tune in to this episode to hear the story of how Scott and the team worked through loads of red tape to get Back 40 Glamping approved by the local municipality, why they decided on domes as their unique stay structure of choice, what it actually cost to bring the first five domes to life, why investing in the right infrastructure and building the right product from the beginning is crucial for success, how they're thinking about franchising the Back 40 Glamping brand, and so much more. All right, friends, without further ado, get ready to meet Scott. All right, Scott, we are live, sir. How are you doing this fine morning? I'm good. How are you this morning, Zach? I'm doing great. And for our listeners, I mean, this has been this has been like a marathon this morning. We've been working through all sorts of like technical issues and glitches, but but I think we're I think this is it, Scott. I'm feeling good about this, this third recording. It's gonna happen. <laughs> I like it. Oh gosh. Well, uh, Scott, one of my favorite questions to kickstart these conversations with is to ask folks if you were asked as a ten year old like what you wanted to be when you grew up, how would you have responded? So if someone were to come up to ten year old Scott and say. Hey, buddy, what do you want to be when you grow up? Like, what what would you have said? Yeah, 10-year-old Scott, uh, jumping back, um, at that point, I, I would have wanted to be a farmer. I, I loved being outside and looking around. I was like, what job are you outside all the time? And it was a farmer. I liked animals. So, uh, yeah, I thought farming was the life for me, for sure. Wow. 
Wow, that is a uh, that is epic. That's not something that I was expecting to hear. Quite frankly, you, you don't you just don't hear that like these days, right? People being like, "Oh yeah, when I was ten years old, I wanted to be a farmer," and yet like we need more farmers. <laughs> we do need more farmers. Yeah, it's not as easy to get into, I think, as what uh, it maybe could be. But uh, yeah, ten year old Scott was like, "I'm all in for farming. Just let me be outside all the time, and and it's going to be great." So that's what I was. That's definitely what I was into. Well, hey, I'm sure you learned a lot about hard work, right? Farming is not for the faint of heart. So, uh, you know, it, 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 I imagine gave you sort of a skill set to be able to become an entrepreneur, right, uh, eventually. But fill in those gaps for us. Like what does – what happens between, you know, 10-year-old Scott wanting to be a farmer and, you know, however old you are now, Scott, uh, building this, like, hospitality brand? Like what – fill in those gaps for us. Yeah, for sure. So uh, a bit of a road. It wasn't kind of a jump from 10-year-old Scott to now. Um, I, I grew up and, and didn't become a farmer, um, but I actually went off to school to become a teacher. Uh, so I went to university and, and got my teaching degree, and I taught for five years, teaching grade six for most of that time. Um, but ongoing, kind of while I was teaching, um, I was flipping houses with my younger brother. Oh, wow. And so buying a house, renovating it, and selling it, um, and really enjoyed that. So much so that we were like, you know what? I don't know if we want to, if I want to keep teaching full time, I'm not sure. I was kind of in this throes of, I, I like renovating. Uh, my dad's a general contractor, so I kind of grew up swinging a hammer. Um, and so I enjoyed that. Um, but, uh, but the other big part of my life, uh, was being outside still mm. as much as 10 year old Scott was. And so that involved a lot of camping, a lot of canoe tripping, um, outdoors and, and backwoods. Um, and, kind of pushing forward to entrepreneurial flipping houses was kind of that mindset of like, Hey, we're doing this on our own. So that piece kind of started coming into play. Uh, but then the other part was the kind of glamping side of it was that, uh, we were always trying to convince our friends to be outdoors with us, uh, my wife and I. So I was married and we'd be like, Hey, let's go on this trip. And, and often it was a struggle and people would be like, I just need running water or I just need a bathroom or something like that. And, uh, so it kind of led me down this rabbit hole of late one night, like, how do we get people to, you know, cause once they're out there, once you convince people to come, they're like, I love being inside. It's so great. (laughs) And, uh, so how do we get that? And, um, and that's where I stumbled upon glamping and actually I stumbled upon a place, um, out, out east in, in New Brunswick, so eastern Canada, that was for sale at the time. And I was like, we should move. We should move to New Brunswick. Uh, and we should figure this out. And I don't know how we're going to do it. Um, and at the same time, my, my younger brother still being a part of this. And uh, he's he's a full-on entrepreneur mindset all the time. And he's like, okay, we can figure this out, but <laughs> we don't need it there. We're going to do it here because there's there's not it's not going on here in Ontario. Uh, that's where we are in Ontario, Canada. Um, and so that's kind of what started us on this process, the ball kind of started rolling of, okay, what does it look like to open up here and how do we do that? And, and then away we went. Wow. Wow. That is amazing. So you guys, neither of you had experience while well, you did have, you know, experience flipping houses. It's not like that, that's very different than getting into like the short term rental, like, you know, hospitality game. It is. Yeah. It's very much so is. Um, so we were, yeah, we could, you know, we can fix a lot of things, but, uh, short-term rental isn't just about fixing things. Uh, and so it was figuring out kind of, uh, hospitality wise, which, uh, to be honest, our team, so it's myself, my wife, uh, my brother, Ben, his wife, Alyssa, um, and the four of us kind of together, were able to kind of piece this together and, and, uh, we all have our own strengths that really bring to the, 
to the hospitality industry, I would say, which makes Back 40 come alive. Wow, that's amazing. So, okay, so tell us about Back 40, right? So you told us a little bit about how, how you guys decided to pursue this this kind of crazy dream, right? And and how cool mm-hmm. that you got to do it with with your brother, right? And now it now it's a, a truly a family business, right? Which I'm sure has yeah, I'm sure has so. its cons, but like <laughs> you know, ups and downs. Yeah, the, the pros are right. You get to you get to work together. So so tell us a little bit about like exactly what Back Forty Glamping is for those who who aren't familiar. For sure. So we are uh, we're a geodesic dome um, experiential stay. Um, so it's coming to a place, uh, lots of people won't know what a dome is, but kind of like a big igloo um, mixed with a yurt, uh, kind of in between that. Um, we're here outside of Meaford, uh, Ontario, Canada. We are on 26 acres, a beautiful kind of up on a hillside looking down. We have a pond, a creek, trails throughout. Um, and what we provide is essentially for people to come, have their, have their stay away, um, specifically to uh, groups of two, which uh, maybe we'll get into a little bit later. Why our, our you know, our uh, cap on uh, guests is two per dome, yeah. uh, but largely couples or friends coming, uh, usually for celebrations of some kind, whether that's anniversaries or birthdays, um, a lot of proposals, exciting things like that, which is really neat. And uh, yeah, coming to offer the amenities here, where you know you're fully immersed in nature without any comforts of like you're, you're not losing any comforts from home. So each dome has its own private hot tub, uh, king size bed, full running water, and uh, you know you, you're not. It's not a any kind of toilet that is like something strange in the backwoods. It's just a regular <laughs> toilet, which people are always very excited about. Uh, kitchenette, um, and then a number of add-on packages to kind of really up your stay and, and make it something special here at Back Forty. Oh, that's amazing. So I want to hear a little bit about like where you guys got your information and and intel and, and inspiration to, to build something like this. Because again, right, uh, glamping and, and these like experiential stays have, have really started taking off, but it's still like relatively new, right? Like the idea of going and spending what you went, might spend at a four or five star, you know, hotel uh, for, for a dome in the middle of nowhere, quite frankly, is like, that's still, that's still, it's trendy, right? But, it, but it's not mainstream. So, so where did you guys go to, to figure out how to do this? Yeah. Uh, interestingly enough, we really didn't go anywhere. That was the crazy <laughs> part is, uh, and I think that's why our friends and family thought we were nuts because they were like, you haven't even seen one of these in real life. And we're like, yeah, but trust me, it's going to work. Um, but yes, I would agree with you. It's, it's really not mainstream. And so trying to, the whole hoops of trying to get back 40 off the ground was crazy when you're trying to explain to someone that's never seen a dome before how it's going to work and whether that be uh, potential guests or the actual uh, municipality in terms of getting building permits and even zoning regulations to be able to open. Yeah. It was quite a process to try to convince people and help them understand what back 40 was going to be and what our vision was uh, and bring that to life. And so we did struggle with that uh, from, from early on um, and it took – quite a bit of time to actually get up and, and kind of cut through all the red tape to, to be able to go forward. Oh, dude, I, I can't imagine. Anytime I hear these stories of entrepreneurs like yourself who've had to go through so much red tape, right, just to freaking open, it's like it, it terrifies me of ever wanting to do something quite like this myself because I'm like, dang, you, you mean you had to wait like a year and a half? Like it was ready to go, but like you, or, you know, you were ready to go, but you couldn't even but start couldn't. building yeah. for a year, year and a half. Like, I don't know the patience for that. I don't, I don't know how you guys yeah. did it. <laughs> a lot of perseverance. Yeah. A lot of perseverance. In hindsight, I'm like, wow, we should have quit. But I'm glad that we did. I'm glad that we did. <laughs> oh, I'm glad that you're in it too. So, so you guys have, what, is it, is it five domes right now? Is that correct? 
Yeah, so we currently actually have four domes. Okay. The fifth one opens in about a week, okay. which the crunch is on to kind of put the finishing, polishing touches on it to get it all up. So it's actually it's booked out um, and started by next week, um, full to the end of March, um, which is exciting. And so we have to make sure that it's done and ready to roll. <laughs> um, so that's that's the excitement there. But yeah, we have five domes. Uh, we we have the infrastructure for eight, so we have three more. Uh, we'll have another. The sixth one will go up in the spring, and then probably seventh in the fall, and again the following spring. So kind of uh, pacing ourselves in, in growing larger. So I was talking to a few of the largest operators in the Airbnb and boutique hotel space recently, and these folks were sharing just how difficult it is to find a great generalist assistant. Someone who can manage guest communications, sure, but also someone who can schedule cleaners, call the handyman when the garage light goes out, and help with the occasional email marketing campaign to pass guests. Automated messaging is great to a point, but still has its limits. And let's be honest, the AI tools just aren't where they need to be yet to handle that laundry list of questions that care and just asked about whether your pots and pans have Teflon or not. Finding this support can be tough and it can also be expensive, if, if not both. And that's why my friend Tanner started Valcove Hospitality. Valcove Hospitality enables you to have a dedicated assistant available 24-7 who can help with everything from email comms to responding to Karen. And they make all of this possible at a fraction of the cost of what it would cost you to hire a full-time employee. Whether you're managing 10 properties or scaling up to 150, Valcove's experienced team is ready to help you streamline your operations. Say goodbye to the endless cycle of hiring and training staff and say hello to seamless efficiency. With flexible partnerships, to your needs. Valcove offers 24-7 report or a custom schedule that fits your business. And with a straightforward hourly rate of just $9.95 an hour for your entire portfolio, you always know what to expect on your bill. No surprises, just dependable, truly transparent service. Building a hospitality brand has never been more difficult, um, but it's even harder these days, right? You need, to you need to spend your time on the aspects of your business that matter most, not the ones that take the most amount of your time. The team at Valcove is offering Behind the Stays listeners like you an exclusive offer. Use the code Behind the Stays 50, that's Behind the Stays 50, 50 to get 50% off your first month with Valcove Hospitality. Experience the difference in the first two weeks and see how Valcove can transform your business, giving you the freedom and peace of mind that you deserve and the ability to finally pursue that next big idea that you've been sitting on. Valcove Hospitality, your 24 7 assistant at a price that just freaking really makes sense, guys. Visit ValcoveHospitality.com or go ahead and click the link in the show notes. And remember to use the code Behind the Stays 50, that's Behind the Stays 50 at checkout. Learn more at ValcoveHospitality.com. How did you guys decide on domes? Like one of my favorite things to ask folks that come on this pod too is, you know, a lot of people that come on are, are doing really cool experiential stays. They're, they've got, you know, really, really unique structures that they've built. Uh, and I'm always curious how folks arrive at like the unit type. So what was it domes from the beginning for you guys? Did you consider other structural types? Like why, why domes? Yeah, so right from the beginning, we thought domes were just incredible. Yeah. I, I I love the structure of the dome. I think it looks really neat. I think the biggest thing is that it, it really allows you the indoor-outdoor thing with this massive window where you're inside, but you fully feel like you're outside. Yeah. And with the addition of uh, see-through ceilings to have stargazing is pretty neat. So some of our domes have those as well, stargazer domes. Uh, and so we were pretty set on domes. 
our initial actual thought was that we were going to have five domes and seven kind of A-frames. Um, and the A-frames were going to be more family-oriented with like some bunk beds and so on. But in our consultations with the municipality and specifically the site that we chose, our neighbors trying to get them to understand what glamping was, they were really opposed to it and <laughs> um, and pictured fully this uh, kind of a party campground. And uh, that wasn't our vision at all And for us to try to explain to them. And there was a lot of opposition, which is why the red tape took so long. Uh, and so we actually switched one of the actual comments in one of the public meetings was, am I supposed to hear the sound of children laughing from my back porch uh, and so we, we weren't allowed to have families, um, and, which is crazy because I mean, I have three kids and we live here on site and I'm like, kids don't laugh. Um, but, uh, yeah, so we were, we were actually kind of pigeonholed into just having domes. We weren't actually allowed to have anything else. Um, which in hindsight is great. It, it's, um, like our brand was built, it, not necessarily on purpose in a sense, but, uh, that kind of moves into the, the, yeah, we were only allowed two guests per dome and, and that made us kind of, you know, uh, focus in on, okay, so what, what does a couple want when they get away? Mm. And that kind of brought our brand to life even more so than what we had pictured, uh, originally. Yeah. What's, what's really interesting about that, right. Is, uh, you know, it, it really helps constrain you creatively, which actually can be a benefit, right. Of like, Hey, you know, we wanted to do this. We wanted to do, we kind of wanted to be all things, all people. We wanted to build a, you know, a, an array or a plethora of different glamping experiences, but the, the municipality says we're, we're limited to this. So, so, so then like that focuses your, your energy and your creativity. And quite frankly, you probably have a better product overall because of that, like, you know, net necessity of, of focus to, to one unit type. Oh, absolutely. I think, I think you're hundred percent correct. And, and we only realizing that, uh, in hindsight, <laughs> I think in the moment we were like, what do you mean? We're getting pigeonholed into this thing. But, uh, yeah, that, that hyper-focus of we're only allowed to do this. So let's do this really well. And this is what we want to do. And, and it did, yeah, allow us to really elevate our game in terms of what back 40 became and, and is, um, was because we kind of had these constraints. So I agree with you. Yeah. That creativity was kind of pigeonholed in a sense, which, you know, is great now at the time you were like, yeah, what, how <laughs> these constraints are so hard. Yeah. Yeah. Oh gosh. Yeah. I, I can't imagine. And wh what about the name? Like what is back 40? So uh, lots of people don't uh, necessarily know. So that when someone says like, oh, I'm out in the back 40, it usually it's, it's referring to usually 40 acres that are set far away from maybe the main farm. So, mm. uh, if you say like, Oh, way out in the back 40 is, it, you know, set apart from, uh, from maybe your everyday life. Ah. And we love that idea. And the idea that, you know, this is, this is a place where you're coming away from kind of the hustle and bustle. Um, we want you to, to come to, to rest, rejuvenate, connect with whoever you came with, connect with nature, have the time to just kind of enjoy and, and be set you know, in the back 40, back away from kind of the hustle and bustle of the world. So it, it kind of, you know, grew on us and we were like, yeah, let's, it's back 40. That's what it is. I, so it worked out perfect. I love it, man. That's, that's awesome. That's, it, it's a great name and it's even cooler once you understand the, the, the meaning right behind it. Um, hopefully you know, some of our listeners, some of our listeners might be like, you know, emailing me after being like, you don't know what, you know, back 40 is. And, uh, and I, and I, I didn't, and I've, I've been curious. So, um, thanks for, thanks for, uh, enlightening me. I, I love the meaning. It's so, so epic. So speaking of like the, the business and, and building and building the brand, what, as you reflect on like the last couple of years here, like what, what was like the hardest part of getting back 40 live? Was it all the red tape? Was it actually building the structures? Was it the, the marketing, uh, around it? Like what, 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 what were some of the hardest aspects of, of bringing the business to life? 
For sure, yeah. Uh, where we're at now seems incredible compared to you know in the past few years and trying to build. But the the hardest aspect was definitely our period. So it took about two years for us to get through that red tape, wow. and uh, specifically kind of the relationship with with neighbors, um, and, and more so just like mis- miscommunication, misunderstanding, uh, and not. Not in the sense of like, oh, you didn't hear what I said. It was more like I'm saying a geodesic dome and people are like, I, I don't know what that yeah. is. And so like I said, it, it's trying to show them and convince them. Um, and there was a lot of fear, I think, of, of change, which is, is fairly you know, natural, normal. Um, but so that was our, our biggest hurdle was to try, try to convince, I would say, our neighborhood that this is actually going to be great for our community. There's a, a number of great local um, chefs and artisans and, and a number of things that we're partnering with and experiences. And we're, you know, kind of pushing the growth of other small businesses by uh, our existence. But it was kind of getting that message out there. And that was really hard at the beginning. So that was our first kind of big hurdle. Mm. There was like, hilarious hurdles in hindsight along the way, you know, after we finally got going and we kind of, you know, were able to say to all these, all these people that were opposed that like, trust me, it's going to be fine. Like, look what this actual product is. It's a, it's a really great place. You know, it's quiet. Yeah. Yeah. uh, Once we finally got through that, there was, you know, building the first dome. Um, it took, there was four guys. It took us like a number of days and it was like really hard. And now, you know, on our fifth dome, it's just two guys and we can put it up in a day. We know what we're doing. So there's those, <laughs> those kind of things. The actual, uh, night before we opened our very first night, um, I was like, our water pressure is low from our utility building and trying to figure out what's going on. And we actually had a leak underground and I was out out there and it's like 11 o'clock at night. It's pitch black. We have lights. I'm trying to dig down to the water pipe. And it was, it was, so there was like the last minute hurdles, which ended up being fine. We were able to find the piece and, and flop it. And, um, it, yeah, Jeez. it worked, it worked okay. But yeah, the, the beginnings were the hardest for sure. The brand and marketing itself actually was, you know, we had this idea in our brain yeah. and we were like, if people see it, I think they'll want it. We just need to get it out there. Yeah. And uh, my wife, uh, Elizabeth and, and Alyssa, um, were incredible with that and were understanding really kind of – they did a ton of deep dive research into the algorithms of Instagram and, and Facebook ads and all those kinds of things of saying, all right, how do we use social media to just get our brand out there? And uh, that's what really took off for us and, and we took on bookings right away and it's been a crazy busy ride since, wow. uh, which has been great. Are there other – like talk to us about the the competition in in Ontario specifically like are there loads of other like unique stays that have been developed are there other uh you know uh, domes out there or, or are you guys sort of like in the kind of the the first inning if you will of of unique stays in in Ontario yeah so we're definitely early on the field yeah. i'll say we actually started the process earlier than i think anybody else but because we were waylaid for these 2 years um a couple other places did open okay okay um, in the area, a specific like one other dome place that's roughly two hours away, so not that close, yeah. but um, you know, Ontario wise, that's close enough. Um, <laughs> however, there are uh, you know, there's there's just lots to go around. Um, it feels like people want experiential stays, and so you know, we regularly get letters and emails and, and messages that say, "Hey, I'm thinking about opening," and and people are like, "Oh, well, don't give them your secrets." And and we actually feel the opposite of like, "Hey, you know what? We're okay with sharing our story to you." there's a lot to go around. Like there's a lot of people want this. And I think it's something that is great and can continue to grow. And not just with domes, there are other experiences in the area where, you know, there's tree houses or cabins um, and a-frames and, and different ideas like that, that are, are also unique. 
But I think not just within Ontario, I've found that kind of glamping overall and these different experiential stays, there is like a camaraderie um, where a lot of, you know, we'll reach out to other places and they'll like respond with like, oh, hey, how are you doing this? And oh, this is what we've tried. And and it's it's like a, you know, kind of this interesting little community that kind of all wants to push each other to kind of produce our best products, which like we've loved and and feel happy to kind of be a part of that and, and and continue it on. So that's been a big part of it too, is that there are other stays, but we're all kind of working as a team yeah. to kind of, you know, bring glamping to the forefront in general. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I love it. And, you know, on, on that note, one of the things I always, uh, we talk about on this podcast, right. With, with folks is like a lot of these, a lot of these, uh, you know, uh, sites have eight, 10, maybe 12, maybe 15 or 20 sort of like units, right. Which, and 20 is a lot for like, you know, 20 is a, a lot. Site, right? yeah. And, and, and still, that's 20 like rooms essentially. When you think about like hotels, yeah, like in a, like nothing a city, for a hotel. Yeah, it's yeah. Like, you're talking about hun- you're talking about like hundreds of rooms per hotel, right? And yeah. and then they're they're all right next to each other. And so like it, it, it's just funny. It's like no, like you know, if you guys are at, you guys are at full capacity with four pe- you know, four groups, right? Four couples staying yeah. at your place. Like if people love glamping like and they and they want an experiential stay, like and you guys are booked, right? And they've got no other option but to drive two hours. Like that, that hurts the traveler, it hurts the consumer, and ultimately it, it hurts the category of unique stay, right? Whereas if, if you yeah. do have enough, right, uh, to, to go around, more people are exposed to it. More people, uh, you know, understand that. Oh wow, there's a way to be outdoors and not like you know sleep on the ground and get like rained on in the middle of the night, and you wake up and your back, you know, is is sore for three weeks after, right? Like like there's a way to experience nature in in kind of a, a luxurious fashion right and and if that if that sort of sentiment gets uh if more and more people get the opportunity to experience that right that that's the kind of thing that tra- that changes travel and hospitality uh and, and i think that you guys are great examples of people that are pioneering this and i i always like anytime someone sends me a dm and they're like i'm just worried that there's like too much competition i'm like they're, the nearest thing to what you're trying to do is three and a half hours away. That like, yeah. that's not competition. <laughs> so anyway, sorry. And that's exa- yeah, that's exactly it. I agree with you. Like the, the trend of where hospitality is heading is really interesting because yeah, there's so much room, I would say, for growth. And the, the reality is, is as the consumer comes, so someone comes to Back 40 Glamping, they have an incredible experience. They're then looking for another experiential stay. Yeah. They're like, I had a great time with this experience. Yeah. What else could I do? And whether that's another dome place or whether that's another you know type of stay entirely, they're like more interested because they had a good experience. So the more that we kind of grow the the whole industry of of this kind of glamping subsection of hospitality in and of itself, I think it continues. It kind of snowballs on itself, and the consumer kind of drives that forward. Yeah. And so I definitely see that kind of headed in that direction. Last minute cancellations suck, and that's why we built Ping. Ping makes it easy for guests to be notified when their favorite Airbnbs become available. Ping is a simple widget that lives on your website or your direct booking site and allows your fans and followers to sign up and be notified if their preferred dates become available. Here's how it works. Jimmy sees that you're booked the whole month of October, but he wants to be notified if any three-night window in the month becomes available. Jen is a returning guest and she wants to be notified if any week in June, July, or August becomes available. In a matter of seconds, Jimmy and Jen fill out the simple form and they will be pinged if the requested dates become available. And as a host, you will immediately get pinged via email with Jimmy and Jen's contact information and requested dates, which enables you to build up your own database of guest email addresses. 
Ping is what the best Airbnb hosts use to maximize bookings. You can get access to our beta pricing with plans that start at just $39 a year at bnbping.com. Again, that's bnbping.com. I want to ask you about your add-ons because I think one, one of the things that's really interesting about a lot of these spaces is people, and I've talked about this a zillion times, but people like they struggle with food and beverage. They struggle with sort of like, Hey, you're in this really cool, beautiful space, but it's in the middle of like, there's not much to do. Like it's in the middle of nowhere. Right. right. Um, of nowhere, yep. And, and so I want to hear, but I was exploring your website and I saw all these add-ons like you, you people can get like they, you guys have partnered with chefs and other like local artisans and you've created these really cool experiences for, for your guests. Can you just, talk to us a little bit about these add-ons and then talk specifically about which add-ons have worked really well and then maybe some of them that have you know haven't worked as well as you guys might have expected sure yeah uh one of our like visions from the forefront was that we wanted to partner with people because like you said like the stay is cool but we want this to be like a, a base camp and jump off and explore our area we love where we live we think it's such an incredible place and we want people to go out and check it out um, and there's also incredible people doing incredible things around us and maybe they don't have the spotlight Sean directly at them, but I think we can kind of bring that in. So, um, yeah, that was one of the things right from the forefront for us. So we, we started with how are we going to have these add-ons and what are we going to be able to do with them? Uh, and so we have been able to partner with a bunch of local, um, businesses and, and small businesses specifically, but, uh, to bring in some of these add-ons. So like you said, in terms of food and beverage, we provide complimentary, um, uh, drink at the beginning. So we, we get you to choose, would you prefer like, uh, we have a local ginger beer company, um, or brewery, a local beer or local cider. Um, and you kind of get that pick up front. Nice. Uh, and then in terms of food add-ons, we have partnered with some local restaurants that have chefs that are able to do some incredible, incredible meals, um, that are like, you know, one step to it being perfect. So there's a small kitchenette with a, with a, um, uh, toaster oven that fits a 12 inch pizza perfectly. So they do these, um, flash freeze pizzas that are stone bake and you put them in and they come out and they're incredible, wow. but you know, it, it, it hardly takes you any time. So when you're in the dome, you're like, wow, this, I have this incredible, delicious meal right in front of me. Um, we're actually revamping our meals to work with, a, with another chef, um, that's providing us with this incredible, um, uh, ribs kind of like fall apart in your mouth. They're wow. really, really good. Nice. It's nice when you get to taste, test everything. Cause you're <laughs> just like, this meal's awesome. Um, and we've got some uh, really good curry coming and a couple other dishes, some, uh, salmon, uh, again, uh, fairly local, um, bringing all that kind of thing in within kind of, you know, 20, 25 minute drive from here is where, where we're kind of drawing from wow. and then also experiences themselves. So the meals have done really, really well. And, and that's been great. But as well as like some of the experiences, um, we actually, we tried to do uh, an in-house spa package. So we had uh, someone with the local spa businesses that was coming in and that actually wasn't as popular as there's actually a, a spa business that's about 40 minutes away. Okay. And so we actually were able to partner with them and say, okay, so you can go there for the day at a discounted price and they've got, you know, hot springs and cool, cold plunges and massages and all these things and come back. And so that has actually taken off and done really well. Another one that we thought would do really well was uh, in-house yoga where mm. a yoga instructor comes and leads you in your own private session. And that one didn't take off. And we were like, Oh, I guess that's not exactly what our clientele are looking for when, you know, when you're getting away, you're not looking to get your sweat on necessarily. <laughs> uh, and so, so that one was something we were like, Oh, okay. That didn't really work. Um, we also do provide some things that aren't necessarily an add-on so like um snowshoes we we provide snowshoes in in the domes right now we have three four feet of snow kind Jeez, of everywhere wow. which is crazy it's, wow. a, it's a lot yeah <laughs> um big dump but people that have never snowshoed before are like wow it's such a cool experience to go out and be able to snowshoe the trails and and so there's those kind of 
uh, add-ons. And then we have a number of add-ons that are kind of coming down the pipe. Um, we have been reached out to by um, a local a local guy who has a helicopter, talking about helicopter rides, if he could land and pick people up for a little tour of the air aerially, wow. Wow. which is really cool. We're excited about that one in the spring, um, as well as charter boat rides from the harbor. Uh, we live very close to the, to the Great Lakes. Um, we're about eight minutes and you're right at the, right at the uh, docks. Wow. And, uh, so kind of those experiences again, where things that people are like, Oh, I don't get to normally do this. And part of my stay was to do this other really neat thing. Um, we've also partnered with some adventure groups, um, doing some exploring caves. There's a number of caves in the area. So they take you on a guided tour through some caves. It's, it's pretty neat. So it's been fun to be able to, you know, reach out and have all these different options for people to explore and enjoy when they come. Uh, I, I, I totally love it. And you know, this is sort of like the the guest guidebook 2.0, right? Like, obviously, doing guidebooks um, have have been around for a while. But yeah. what's beautiful about I think these models, right, where they're a little bit more partnership driven, is the business is aware of like the the, the their you know their prospective customer, your guest, right? In a way that's just right. a little bit more personal, right? So they go, oh, you're you're from back 40. Okay, great. Yes, awesome. Like here, you know, we, we've got this special thing for you. And and like the likelihood of them being able to, you know, treat them extra nice, right? Or, or whatever, I, I'm sure just goes way up, right? And talk about, increases, yeah. talk about, yeah, that, that collaboration of like, hey, like, will you, will you guys come and do a, an in-house spa thing? Oh, actually people prefer to go to the spa themselves. Great. Like being able to work through those things with local businesses and partners, right. Strengthens obviously your relationship to the community, but then also I would imagine increases like the value of the product at the end of the day for the guest, which is, which is definitely, awesome. yeah, definitely. I would agree. So talk to us a little bit about like what it costs to bring all this to life, right? Cause a lot of folks who are listening to this, this show, they are either in the midst of building a, a, a unique stay of some sort. They might be aspiring to build a unique stay. They might be a professional uh, property manager with 25, you know, to 50 uh, stays that they, that they manage, but maybe they're interested in kind of building their own glamping site one day. Help, help give us a sense for like what, what investment is required to, to pull something like you guys have pulled off. Yeah. So it, it's substantial for sure. Um, yeah, we, uh, you know, th- this is, we put all of our eggs in one basket. Yeah. I'll say that for, for, for sure. Um, so this is, you know, two couples and all of their life savings yeah. are in one, one place. Um, so we, we live on site. So the first thing is to, to buy your site. Mm. Um, and as everyone knows, kind of the cost of land has increased, uh, drastically. And so, um, yeah, buying your site was a lot. So we were able to buy our 26 acres. Um, it was just before COVID and we paid $600,000 Canadian, which is, you know, Americans yep. a little bit less than that yep. uh, for the dollar exchange. Um, and so like, you know, that's a big chunk of change uh, up front in yeah. terms of actually having the space. Now, again, our house is here. There was already a house on the site. So that worked out well for us that at least we're having a place to live. Yeah, yeah. Um, but then following that, it's the infrastructure, the next big cost. So being able to make sure that you can get hydro in and being able that is the adequate water supply. Uh, so you know, we had to get a new well drilled specifically for the site. Wow. I was already had a well, but secondary well, and then a massive septic tank to be able to take all eight domes and, and flow them into one specific location. So all of that was the next big step. Uh, and so that was a huge chunk. And yeah. then the domes themselves cost about 150,000 Canadian, but that includes everything from the concrete board. We, we're, we've actually tested our fourth dome has in-floor heating, which was a new experience for us. We were like, we want to try this out, see if it'll work to heat a little bit better. And it was incredible. Wow. It's so cozy. Uh, and so we're going to continue to do that with the further domes, but so it's about 150 per dome after that. 
So all in, it's like, you know, a million dollars of uh, not including the property, a million dollars to get kind of all the domes and the infrastructure up and going for where we're at right now. Yeah. Um, that said, you know, obviously we were fairly young. We're yeah. in our thirties and late twenties and early thirties. Uh, so you know, we didn't have a million dollars. Um, we put all of our life savings there and then we're able to approach some family members and say, Hey, this is, you know, again, trying to convince them of, trust me, this dome thing will work. Um, and, uh, and get some loans that you know, that way. And then, you know, have been able to pay them back, um, because of the success of back 40, which is great. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's amazing, man. Well, I mean, props to you guys for again, going, going all in on this, like, and yeah. And, and to listeners, like one of, one of the things actually Ben Wolf, who, um, I've talked about a a number of times on this podcast, he's over at, uh, Onera and, um, he's, he's the founder there. And one of the things Ben says a lot is like, do it right the first time and like, don't skimp. He says, when it comes to like unique stays and experiential stays, you just, you can't skimp. If you're going to be charging, you know, hundreds of dollars up to, you know, in some cases a thousand bucks a night for, uh, you know, a, a dome stay or something like that, right? Like, right. You, you have to do it right from the get-go. Otherwise it's not worth doing. Like there are no. plenty of other ways to skimp and save money in the short-term rental sort of hospitality space. And if you, if, if that's your, your mode, like don't do experiential hospitality um, is, you know, these, these are Ben's words. And, and it sounds like you guys latched onto that and understood like, Hey, like we've got to do this right for, for from the get go. Otherwise it's not worth doing. And it's so hard. Like yeah. you, you know that that's true, but you're just like, I don't want to spend all this money, but I have to, we found, we found the exact same thing. Yeah. Ben's hundred percent correct that it's like, you know, spend, it, it feels terrible at the time, but you're like, you know what, if I, if I spend the money now yeah. and make this beautiful product, that's actually lasting, um, you know, I'm going to be able to pay it back. Like that's the, that's the point. So we would say that. And then also the other thing not to skimp on, I would say it's finding, we have an incredible changeover team mm. uh, and we pay, we pay them very well because they're incredible. Yeah. And lots of times, people kind of have a, you know, a negative view of like cleaners, but cleaners are the backbone of, of your, you know, of your business. And so for us, we're like, we want top of the line. We're going to pay you top of the line money so that, you know, we trust you and you're, and you're invested in this and, and they're our changeover. I can't speak highly enough about our changeover crew. Yeah. I I love that. And I want to double click on that too, because a lot of the times, right. These, these stays, right. And everyone's business is a little bit different, right. But your cleaning team is also like they're 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 kind of your guest experience team in a sense of like when somebody walks into a space right it could be perfectly clean but if like you know the the pillows aren't fluffed appropriately or like there's not like a fresh you know vase of flowers or whatever it is or like the bottle of wine isn't like positioned well or like whatever whatever your standard is right it's not somebody that's just coming in and changing sheets and like sweeping the floor, right? Like these folks are, are hugely influential. And quite frankly, like they are the front lines of, of your guests experience when they go to check in. And the number of times, again, you you hear people talk about and complain about how much cleaning costs. It's like, Hey, don't think about it as like, you know, a a cleaning expense. Thinking about it as like, Hey, this is, this is a guest experience, uh, you know, expense ultimately. And, you know, find ways, find the right people that can help elevate this, the experience so that it's not just uh, clean sheets that they're providing, but also like all the little special touches that you want so that when your guest walks in, their very first impression is nothing other, nothing short of just like, wow, this is, this is beautiful. This is amazing. It looks even better than the pictures. 
And I would say that's, yeah, our team specifically has like elevated our own game in so many ways. So some of our other packages, so we have a romance package and, uh, you know, it flowers and wine and chocolates. And one of our, one of our guest team, um, changeover team was like, we should have rose petals. Like yeah. there needs to be rose petals. We added that and people love it. Yeah. Our movie night, we have, we have a movie night package add on. So we have a projector that sits and then projects up on the dome. So it's kind of like an IMAX experience. Wow. It's really neat. Wow. And then they give, you know, some candy, some like, as if you're at the movie, some popcorn and a little popcorn maker and uh, one of our changeover team was like uh i was like what are you doing when i pop by and she's like oh i'm just like positioning the projector i said what do you mean she's like well people don't want to waste time trying to figure out where exactly it should sit so i just have it sitting there and then all you have to do is press on wow duh that's like that's so clever but it it, and it adds people are like oh yeah like that's that's the experience is i want to watch a movie i press play it's it's there um so yeah there's those things where you just find the right team and that's really important oh I love it, man. Well, so I, I want to hear about what's next. So you guys have, you know, the fifth dome that's opening very, very soon. Probably by the time this episode drops, it'll be open. Uh, yes. And then, yeah. and then you said you've got space for for three more. Um, what? Talk to us a little bit about what the next couple of years look like for for Back Forty. Yeah, uh, the future is bright. Um, my uh, so my brother Ben, he's the visionary. So he's the one that like looks forward and sees these things and uh, and you know pushes us to pursue them. And I usually am the one that is figuring out kind of the logistics of how okay, how do we get there? Um, but uh, one of the things is we've been approached and we're just in the process of starting uh, franchising. And so we have someone kind of already in the pipe that has property, and, and we've kind of been meeting with them for the last kind of six months, eight months wow. to kind of you know step up where where the next kind of step is is to franchise out so uh that's gonna happen within the next kind of 12 months is that we'll open uh, another site um and that we're really excited about that and then uh, one of the other things that we get asked all the time which do kind of often connect hand in hand is weddings mm. um and so we've kind of started into the process of saying what would it look like to have a wedding venue not necessarily on this site because we still want back 40 to be um actually like you know set away we're not you know, coming for a stay and be like, also there will be a wedding yeah. <laughs> over there, but, um, but another, another property uh, and starting to kind of figure out, okay, so how, how could we afford that? You know, can we approach again investors and say, you know, here's our idea uh, because we do get a ton of people that, that get, that propose here all the time, yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. which is really cool to be a part of. Yeah. Um, but then they're like, Oh, could, you know, we'd love to get married here or in the area. And we're like, there's not really a place, but yeah. maybe we could, maybe we could make one. So that, yeah, that's kind of the next, uh, kind of down the pipeline thought process is, is continue to push back 40, but also have kind of another, it's almost like an add on a wedding add on a wedding add on. I love it. I love it, man. And, and yeah, I I think it, it, what's funny is I don't think you're, you guys are alone in, in thinking about that is with like, you know, the experiential like hospitality entrepreneurs that I've been fortunate enough to, to meet it, that does seem to be this like next step for people. Cause, cause literally they, you, they walk through the same thing that you just talked about, right? Someone gets engaged at their, the beautiful glass house that they own. Right. And they're like, Oh, wouldn't it just be like amazing to be able to get married here. And then, you know, the entrepreneur is like, huh, you know what? Huh, people, people, pay, people spend a lot of money on weddings. It would be nice. How could we make that work? So it, it is really cool to kind of see this extension happening, right. Of like people who've, invested time money and blood sweat and tears in crafting these gorgeous incredible experiences now potentially being able to get into an adjacent business um so again that comes with you know a, a whole new can of worms but uh absolutely but but yeah you're definitely you're definitely on to something uh because i know that that's what other uh, some other folks are thinking through you know right now i do want to ask quickly about um franchising because that is something that so, several people have 
uh, asked me about, I was like, hey, are there examples of people who have uh, started a franchise because of the brand that they've built in this space? If so, who are they? And honestly, I, we haven't spent much time talking about it. There, there are some that we've talked about in kind of the more traditional vacation rental management space. But in terms of like experiential hospitality, I don't personally know too many people that have successfully been able to do this. What are you got? What, what what can you tell us about what that? I know it's very early, but like, what does it kind? What is it kind of looking like in terms of structurally how it might work? Yeah, and that's some of the questions that we're still trying to answer in general. Um, I was actually, well, it was on your podcast. Uh, the guy that is part of Best Western. Um, oh yes, uh, yeah, he uh, was like, the, I can't think of his name. Yeah, he was the um, uh, the CEO of, of of Best Western in Best Western in, yeah, UK, UK, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So I, I love Rob Patterson. Saying, Rob Patterson. Rob yeah, Patterson. Yeah, there yeah. you go. I was like, I think it's Rob. Um, so he was saying how like you know you're building a brand, but then hotels a little bit have kind of like you know you go to one Best Western and another Best Western, and they might be very different. Yeah. Um, and so he was saying how now it's more like a loyalty program that kind of drives that. And uh, with experiential stays, it's kind of the opposite. You're not looking for a loyalty. You you want to like this this really great experience needs to also happen in another site. And so we're trying to work through that. And that's kind of the question mark is like, how do you have, you know, how do you allow a franchisee um, to, to make it their own and really thrive and, yeah. and, you know, and excel, which obviously helps them, helps us. Yeah. Um, but also at the same time, you know, ensure that everything, you know, stays on par and yeah. stays on brand and all those things. So, um, from what we've read and kind of are is you need to be really selective with your franchisee. And so lots of people are like, Oh, I'd love to do this. And you're like, do you fit? Like, would we want to just let you join onto our team? Cause if yes, then there's a good chance that you can extend the team to be there. But if you're like, I don't know if you'd fit with our team, it's, it's probably not a great idea. So that's one of it is trying to figure out how much internally, like, you know, still use our booking platform, go from there. Um, But obviously you have your own site, your own team that's over there. We're not jumping back and forth or something strange. Um, so yeah, we're still trying to answer those questions and then what it looks like. And there's different, even just like how a franchise is set up in terms of like, oh, do you get a percentage per booking yeah, because yeah. you know, you're still doing that? Or is it just like a yearly fee that you're like able to, to, uh, collect and, and, you know, they just pay a one-time chunk. And, and so it depends kind of a, how much, um, you feel that you can give to the franchisee yeah. and say, okay, I think you can handle all this and, and I trust you, um, and then, you know, they're able to make more money arguably off of that because you're doing less work. And so therefore it shouldn't get paid as much. Yeah. Um, but it's kind of that tension or relationship that we're still trying to figure out, which, you know, so far is working quite well. So, yeah. Well, dude, keep us posted on that because I, I think this, this, this is what I, I'm just, I'm waiting for this to, to become a little bit more, uh, you know, mainstream because there are so many incredible entrepreneurs like yourselves who've done the hard work of figuring out how to do unique stays how to, how to, you know, how to do it from a business standpoint, but how to, how to build a brand, right? Quite frankly, and how to, how to build marketing channels that, that, that actually work, what is needed for guest experience, right? How to acquire the right land, right? You guys have learned so much that there are, you know, there's a lot of institutional capital that's coming into the, the short-term rental space. And there, there are people that are looking for, Hey, who do I talk to? Like who, whose right. model can I clone essentially? Right. And so I think exactly. the, the opportunity for franchising is, is never been riper, quite frankly, than, than it is right now. But it's still just so early. It's, it's a, it's still a relatively new kind of asset, right? People, people are just, everyone's just trying to figure it out. So keep us posted on how it goes. We might have to have you back on in, you know, six months or so to just give us an update on on that particular, because I know that that's of interest to to people that listen to the show. So, but dude, I am, I'm so thankful for you and your time and all the great work that you guys are doing at back 40. 
if folks want to uh, book a stay at Back 40, if they're interested in following you guys on Instagram, I'll have links in the show notes, folks, uh, to Back 40's website, also their their Instagram handle. Uh, but Scott, if, if folks want to connect with you and or if there are, there are people that li- are listening to this that, that might be interested in, in partnering or, or investing in a future project, like what's the best way for them to get in touch with you? Yeah, honestly, if you email info at back40glamping.com, um, again, info at back40glamping.com. That's the that's the most straightforward path. Um, even if you DM us on on Instagram or something, we usually say, okay, shoot us an email at info at back40.com, so at back40glamping.com. Pardon me, uh, so that we can then you know start an email thread and kind of and kind of work through and and that's the best way for sure to uh, to kind of get a hold of us and get the ball rolling. We're excited for new partnerships and new ideas like that. Awesome. And folks, I'll go ahead and just throw that email address in the show notes as well. So you just scroll on down the show notes. You can shoot Scott and the team an email or uh, follow them on Instagram and be sure to check out their website as well. Scott, thanks so much for your time, man. It's been a pleasure. Thank you, Zach. So appreciate it. Thanks for joining us for this episode of Behind the Stays. I'd love to know what you thought of the episode. Feel free to shoot me an email directly at Zach, that's Z-A-C-H, at spontaneous.com, or find me on X, formerly Twitter, at ZBoozy, that's Z-B-O-O-Z-E-E, or on LinkedIn at Zach Boozy Cruz. If this is your first time tuning in, it's a pleasure to have you, and we hope to have you back again soon. If you've been a listener for a while, though, I'd greatly appreciate if you could subscribe and then leave us a rating and review of the show wherever you are currently streaming this podcast. Last but certainly not least, Spontaneous and Behind the Stays are totally bootstrapped, and my ability to bring you these stories is only possible because of our incredible advertising partners. We're very much a startup show, and while our growth rate is amazing, thanks to all you who keep tuning in and sharing our show with your friends and family, we haven't quote unquote made it yet. So if you could do me a huge favor and go and check out the sponsor for today's episode in the show notes below, I would greatly appreciate it. Even if their offering doesn't make sense for you right now, sending them a quick message on social or an email, just saying that you're listening to the show and you appreciate their support would be incredibly amazing. All right, friends, thank you so much. Enjoy the rest of your day and we will see you on the next episode of Behind the Stays.